I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, May 22, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. So it's pretty clear what we have going on here. Under normal garden variety market conditions, I'm going to give you the schematic. It's not a lot different than we've been discussing day in and day out. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look deeper under the hood of the markets. We'll look at some ETFs. We'll look at some stocks. We'll look at the normal markets we look at. But since there's not a lot of change from yesterday and the bigger picture, we'll run through the markets and we'll spare each other the broken record rigmarole. And by the way, it's pretty good to get a little bit of a different flavor from time to time. So tonight, let me throw in some stuff that we normally don't do. And by the way, Make no mistake about it, we're still going to discuss everything we need to discuss about the normal markets we cover and what's going on right in front of our face. Before we really get rolling, let me pause and thank everybody for participating, making comments and posts underneath the video each and every night. I love the interaction and you know how I especially love the banter back and forth. In addition, only if it's worthy, hit the thumbs up button on the video and then go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think can benefit from this information. All right, let's peer in on the market from a 30,000 foot view and let me just give you a snapshot of at least what I am looking at, what my eye is drawn to when this chart populates the screen. I have no choice but to see what we can call a bear flag pattern, a bear wedge pattern. Don't care what you call it. We talked about this last night, but that's what I see. But here's the important thing because we're going to look at some other charts. Just because... I said that just because I drew that, understand the market can always still go higher. We have a 20-period moving average above. Can we get there? Can we spike through it over the next day or so? Of course we can. Why not? We have a holiday weekend coming up. You see how light the volume was today. We had a volume day similar to yesterday. We had about 48, 49 million shares traded in the SPY That's against a 90-day average volume of 72 million shares, and that's not tremendous in and of itself. In order for the market to really get moving again, we'll need a spark. Whether the spark is on the upside and we run into some resistance points, or the spark sends the market south, either way, it will be pinned on a tweet, China trade, Iran, North Korea, Venezuela, European banks, whatever it is, those and many other things have the ability to move the market in a flash. We all know that. The market's waiting to move. It's the spark that'll just get it going. And for those of you that are not familiar, on this daily chart, we can officially say the trend is down. The trend is no longer up on the daily chart. Weekly chart? Different story. Trend is still technically up on the weekly chart. Doesn't mean a top isn't in place. It's just a binary answer. Is the trend up or down? The trend on the weekly chart is still up. The trend on the daily chart is down. It starts with the daily chart, morphs into the weekly, and so on. That's the way it works. In fact, 
It morphs from a lower time frame. That's how we decide whether we're getting an intraday trend change that may turn into a daily trend change that may turn into something more. It all starts from somewhere. Remember, we've discussed the fact that the market is what's called based in fractals. Everything is based in fractals. Our life is based in fractals. The planet is based in fractals. A fractal can be seen like this. You live in a state. The state is a fractal of the country. A county is a fractal of the state. A city is a fractal of the county. Your neighborhood is a fractal of the city. The street is a fractal of the neighborhood. Your house is a fractal of the street. Nothing more, nothing less. So when you hear fancy terms like that, what we always want to do is turn around and just make some common sense out of it. Camp IWM. Anything doing over here? No, it's the same routine. Do I have to draw it out? It's the same thing we looked at last night. It's the same thing we just discussed, only worse in the IWM. It's the same thing we just discussed in the spider, but it's worse in the IWM. Look where we are. We're hovering near the lows in the IWM. Isn't the IWM my favorite market leading indicator? Of course it is. Why is that? Because it's generally, not 100% of the time, but most of the time, it's going to tell you what's coming on the larger picture, on the major indices. By the way, relative weakness today in the IWM. It doesn't just show up in the fact that the daily chart looks different than the spider chart. It also showed up today intraday. The IWM was down almost 1% today, and the S&P 500 itself was down about a third of 1%. We always have to look at both sides of the tape. So now we take a look at the VIX, and we notice even on a down day across the markets, it wasn't a really heavy, heavy down day for the S&P. It wasn't a heavy down day for the Dow. Basically, all the major indices were down less than one half of 1%. But even on a down day, why was the VIX down? Now, I think it's a short-term anomaly, but we can still get down a little bit farther in the VIX, maybe down into that mid to low 14 neighborhood. I think it's a buy down there. We discussed that a few days ago. I still think that holds true. Right now, the VIX is being held up by its 50-period moving average. It's basically a mirror image of some of the other charts. And what you can see the VIX is doing, and until this breaks apart, this is essentially winding up it's like a spring, and if this takes off and plays out like it's supposed to, it's going to do this, and who knows how high it can go. We'll talk about that another time, but until and unless this really comes apart, how does this come apart? Well, you have some room. You really have to close daily below 1289. It's possible, but I don't think it's probable. The only way that that becomes a probability is if the other markets are on the rise and we've changed the daily trend from down back to up. Barring that, the VIX should take off to the upside. What's doing down in the transportation department? Well, this got hit pretty hard today. So this was not on par with the major indices, the NASDAQ, the Dow, the S&P. This got hit pretty hard, down 1.69%, 177, almost 178 points today, right on top of the 100-day moving average. So here's make it or break it time. Do we break down and break below this pivot low made from the 13th of May? If that's the case, you do have some support down here, 
But the longer term picture, the canary in the coal mine will be telling us that there's trouble ahead for the markets more than just a hundred point down day on the Dow. You'll remember the weekly chart from the transports. We don't look at this every single day, but I'm certainly looking at it. And I'm very, very interested in this weekly close this Friday. Let's just put it this way. A weekly close below all these moving averages after getting back above, that's a failure. We've talked about these resistance areas. Now we're down in another place. Closing the week below all these moving averages is one thing. Closing sandwiched in between is something different. So one way or the other, I'm watching the weekly close at the transportation department. How about the queues? What's doing out in Silicon Valley? Well, you can't look at this chart and say it's definitely bullish. That's not the way the market works. It's actually definitely bearish until it's not. So these moving averages, as you can see, the 20 period moving average, which is the red trend line, is sloping down toward price. The 50 period moving averages, we could say starting to flatten out. Now, Could we rally back up to the 50-period moving average? Sure we could. That certainly looks like a big day or two for the Qs. We're down at 181. The 50-period moving average is at 184. So if we had a big rally, for argument's sake, out of the blue, we woke up to a gap higher. We have to look at the big picture, and we have to notice whether or not we're really getting above important areas. If we're not, it's just another reflex rally as the trend has changed. That brings up another point. We always have to remind ourselves of this. When the market changes trend from up to down, and we're going to, if we're going to have a correction, and you have expanded volatility, you're going to see large swings in both directions. That's not off the table. That can happen from anywhere, at any point, any day. We're going to jump around for a second. We haven't looked at this chart in a few days. It's the 120-minute S&P chart. In this case, it's the spider chart. We talked about the fact that the market can have big swings in both directions. Now, we have something interesting going on, and we're basically in the middle. I want to point them both out. So here's the deal. We have a gap down here, and you can see this on many different charts. I just chose a 120-minute chart. I wanted something middle of the road and something we're not used to looking at all the time, all day, every day. So the market can certainly come down and fill that gap, and it can certainly go lower. I just want to make a specific point. So barring the gap, let's say we go in the other direction. Why would we go in the other direction? This looks like it's actually under pressure below all the moving averages. Looks like it's going to break down. It may very well break down. But what I want you to do for a second, and this is just looking at both sides of the market, looking at both sides, using common sense, being aware of both sides. Keeping in mind and understanding that in my mind is a very dangerous place to be, but keeping in mind that I always want to focus in on what the obvious thing is when the chart populates the screen. So the first thing I note is we had a trend or a channel that was down like this. I'm not drawing it on the spot, on the number. It's just for conceptual purposes. This is the channel we're talking about. Now, we got back above that channel, and now we're going sideways. So the trend is down, the bigger trend is down, But right now, and we know that it's hard to kill a bull, right? We say that all the time. So now... 
now the market looks like it's fighting to work higher, but the moving averages have what's called overhead resistance or a cap on the market. What do we always say? Sometimes when the market can't fight through a specific price level or price area, it will gap above that area. Here's another trend channel or trend line, if you will. I don't know whether this is a channel or not. It's not the point. The point is, is that you can see that the market is not able to get above. It's being pushed down by this trend line. I am not drawing that trend line in. The market drew that trend line in. We're just identifying the trend line. So my point here is looking at both sides of the market, both sides of the tape. We have the gap below. That's an obvious area that if we started to head for that number, we know that that gap under normal garden variety market conditions would provide some intraday support. If the market was getting killed and we had a big gap down, that's a different story. But if we hit it today, for example, that would have been an interesting area potentially for an intraday long trade. And inside the numbers, members were aware of those numbers down there for certain. But on the other side of the coin, what happens if the market gaps higher? For example, tomorrow or Friday, whatever. Where would it go and why would it stop there is a good question to be prepared for. We should know what both scenarios are before the market opens in the morning. That's what I do for Inside the Numbers members. So here's some pivots up here. So we know that here's a breakdown area. The market broke down from this area. We came back to test it here. And then we came back to test it here. What happens if we gapped higher? There's a 100 period moving average up at 289. Would we just blow through that area? Would we just whistle past the graveyard up at 289? Or would that under normal garden variety market conditions be resistance? And using the common sense 80-20 rule, 8 out of 10 times, that's going to be resistance if that type of scenario should take place. Back in our lane, taking a look at the financials, not too terrible, down almost three quarters of 1% in the financials, but you can see where we're hovering above the 50, 200, and 100 period moving averages. But it's making the same bearish pattern that we see in the spider chart. It's the same pattern we see on the triple Qs. It's the same thing all over the place. So the question is, is this a big fake out? Is this part of the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate cruise plan? Or is this actually going to take place the way it's designed to take place? Eight out of ten times, it's going to take place the way it's designed to take place. How about the SMH? That wonderful shenanigan line is still there, or tail candle, I should say. Remember from yesterday, price never traded all the way up into the 106 and change area, but that remains on the chart. It's interesting, and what's also interesting is that we still remain above this trend line. Now, we just did the same exercise on the 120-minute SPY chart. We were underneath the trend line, but now we're above the trend line, and you can see, again, it's not me drawing in the trend line. The market draws in the trend lines, and we're responsible for identifying where they are. But the bigger picture, when you go back to the daily chart, is that the semiconductors were down almost 2% today, getting creamed. The band plays on in the semiconductor space. They've been getting killed. 
They're getting thrown out with the whole China trade war talks. But I don't buy the story. That's the reason the semis are down. Here's the story I buy. For the majority of my trading career, and it only dates back to when I found out about it, is that the semis are a good indicator of the tech sector. So if the semis are selling off, it's generally, again, using the 80-20 rule, common sense stuff, 8 out of 10 times, if the semis are selling off, it's telling you the tech sector is getting ready to crack. So we can wrap it up in the China news, put a bow on it, do whatever you want. I'm just looking at it the way I've always looked at it. Nothing more, nothing less. Turn off the TV. All right, let's change gears a little bit. Let's go under the hood and look again. We did this a few days ago, but I think it's worth it to do it again. Let's look under the hood and let's look at some of the exchange-traded funds, sector-related, that make up the SPY or the S&P 500. This is a big component of the S&P. XLE, the energy space. There's other energy-related exchange-traded funds, but just looking at it on its face, is this bullish or bearish? We're below all the moving averages. We're riding the moving average. We're beginning to break down. Now, all of a sudden, maybe this turns around and heads back up in the other direction to make new highs. That would be a neat trick, but that's not necessarily what the market is telling us right now. That's not the picture the chart is drawing. The puzzle piece the chart is drawing is that the market is bearish. The XLE is bearish. It's a bearish pattern. It's below all the moving averages. It looks... And it is headed lower. Where would be the first place that I might get interested in the XLE? And it would have to be in concert or coinciding with some kind of buy zone in the S&P 500. But if that were the case, then down around that $58, $57 neighborhood, I would get interested in the XLE. Until and unless that happens, I think it's pressure to the downside. What makes up the XLE? Well, the obvious stuff. ExxonMobil, same chart. No different. Actually looks a little bit worse than the XLE. How about Chevron? Well, the first thing my eye is drawn to on Chevron is the current bullish pattern, right? So we can make a case that this should actually go higher because it's fighting its way through the 50-period moving average. We can make that case, but we can also make another case. We can make a case that it's just a big bearish pattern too. Now, I don't know if the smaller version, the bullish one, is going to play out first. That could happen. We could get a jolt higher in the market. It could come up here. There's a gap up here. This chart doesn't look nearly the same as ExxonMobil. In fact, when you look at the weekly chart of Chevron, it's still technically in an uptrend. You have to be aware of both sides of the market. We have to be honest with ourselves. Another large component of the XLE, I believe, is ConocoPhillips. This one we'll call middle ground. Doesn't look as bad as ExxonMobil. Certainly doesn't look as good as Chevron. It looks pretty bad. It doesn't look bullish. Could this one try and work its way back up to the 50, maybe even the 100 period moving average? Challenge the breakdown candle high? Sure, it's possible on a big spike. So if we had a couple of big updates in the market and ConocoPhillips went up 3 or $4, certainly that could happen. Why would that happen? You can always get a spike in energy with the Middle East tensions out there. 
You can't put on a trade for that, but you have to be aware of it. If you get a spike in oil prices, you could certainly get a spike in the energy-related companies if you get some help from the market that day. What about the XRT? We looked at this one the other day too. I think it's worth another look. Same story. No change. It's very, very ominous. This is the consumer, right? This is the retail sector. Who's in here? Well, when you look at the top 10 holdings of the XRT, it's pretty well spread out. Here's the first one on the list. Carvana, have no idea. I think they're the ones with the vending machines you can buy a car from. I know it's just a commercial, but I certainly want to see one of those. It looks very similar to all the rest. Until and unless this does an about face and turns around, this chart will generally go lower. It's looking for 55 and then some. What about stuff like Macy's? What about Nordstrom? Big stores, a lot of product, a lot of people. That chart's not telling you the consumer, at least the ones that shop at Macy's are healthy. Here's Nordstrom, got crushed today. What about Best Buy? What does that look like? Traders that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader know exactly what that looks like. They knew exactly where the short trade was. They knew exactly where the short trade was. They knew exactly where they were wrong. And I wish I exactly saw this chart yesterday or at the latest this morning. Now here's the bet you can make with somebody. You can bet somebody that this will hit 66 before it jumps over those moving averages over there. And if I'm wrong and it jumps over those moving averages over there, then other stuff's going on in the market too. Let's change tunes again and let's talk about something that we haven't talked about in a long, long time. Let's talk about Europe. Here's a European bank, UBS. They have business all over the world, but they have tons of business in Europe. They're based in Europe. And look what's going on. I don't know what the issue is, what they have exposure to. It doesn't really make any difference. I'm just looking at a weekly chart that's in a perpetual downtrend. And this has been going on since January of 2018. As a comparison, here's Bank of America. There's quite a stark difference between those two charts. JP Morgan, even more of a stark difference between the European bank and American banks. Here's another European bank. This one's actually bigger, I believe, than UBS, Deutsche Bank. Look at this chart. It's seven bucks. They've been in the news here and there trying to shed some of their bad assets. They've been trying to merge Deutsche Bank with another entity All that really is doing is trying to disguise whatever the real problems are. I don't really know what the real problems are underneath the hood of the European banks. My guess is they have exposure to a lot of the same things that everybody had exposure to back in the financial crisis of 2008. They're just packaged differently today. They have different names. Maybe they're the same stuff. Who knows? I have no idea. All I know is there's something going on with the European banks. Since we were looking at Deutsche Bank, we can look at the exchange-traded fund that tracks Germany. So the EWG doesn't look the same as the U.S. ETFs, for example, that track the U.S. markets. S&P 500 weekly chart, EWG weekly chart. Is there going to be a miraculous turnaround all of a sudden? It's possible. It's not probable. Emerging markets, again, weekly chart, as compared to the S&P 500, as compared to the triple Qs, as compared to a lot of other charts, the EEM is not a healthy chart. 
This weekly chart isn't a downtrend. It has been in a downtrend. We've seen this before, and you know how the movie ends. If you don't know how this movie ends, take the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. The same movie that we see played on a 10-minute chart, on an hourly chart, on a 120-minute chart, on any chart, gets replayed on all charts, all vehicles, stocks, exchange-traded funds, commodities, it doesn't matter. All charts act and react the same way. And with that, it's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss tonight, so I will give it a wrap here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.